0: You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. Come on now! Hey everybody, <laughs> welcome to another edition of the Oh Come On Sports Podcast. I'm Natasha. Thanks for joining me on this Monday evening. It is uh, it was family day. Hope you had a nice family day. Hope you had a nice uh, or hope you had a chance to hang out with your family. Or maybe not. Maybe you just took the extra time off work to relax and chill. And I feel like that's totally fine as well. It is uh, a chilly Monday in Calgary. I'm sitting here in my condo looking out the window and the Calgary tower is lit up bright red. I've been here for six, seven, eight months now, and I don't know if I've ever seen the tower red like this. Usually it's different colors, flashing. It's kind of psychedelic and weird and wild. And I love it, but it is very red. And I have a feeling it might have something to do with the fact that the Calgary flames are currently on a 10 game winning streak. They are ripping it up in the NHL, the hottest team in the league and, uh, good on them. They beat Winnipeg this afternoon. I'm not going to get into a bunch of hockey talk because I don't know when you're going to watch or listen to this. Excuse me. It might be months from now. So I don't want to get into scores and stats and whatever, but the Flames are doing very well. And I guess, um, I mean, I love talking hockey as much as the next person, including my guest, my very good friend, Nabil Karim, who worked, uh, he and I worked together at TSN Anchoring Sports Center for. We were trying to do the math, eight or nine years, something like that, seven or eight or nine years. He started uh, just a little bit after me, and then he left a few years before me, and he has a great story. His journey, uh, roadblocks, like most people do in this industry, it's uh, not an easy industry, and uh, I loved hearing some of the things that he went through. I'm super proud of him. He, when things weren't going well, he pushed through. He found other ways. He found people who appreciated his talent and off he went to uh, the U.S. He was working at ESPN for a few years, and now he is on to Turner Sports. He's a host for the NHL and the NBA. So covering two sports that he loves the most and he just, he made it all happen for himself. So he's a good friend. I hadn't had a chance to talk to him for quite a few months before this. So we do a little bit of catching up, but uh, like I said, I hope you enjoy listening to um, just his journey and how he got started, where he uh, learned all of his lessons, I guess, how he ended up in the US and all that kind of stuff. But he tells it way better than I do. All right, here he is. I am so pleased to introduce my very good friend who I anchored with at uh, TSN Sports Center for how many years? Four, five, six, seven years?
1: There's probably eight years, almost seven and a half, eight years. Yes.
0: Because I think you came kind of like right after me almost.
1: Um, yeah, months, months after, a year after, something like that.
0: Something like that, pretty close. Anyways, we worked together at TSN. Now you are off to bigger and better adventures south of the border. Nabil Karim, who is now working for Turner Sports, a host for the NHL and the NBA. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
1: I can't believe you said we're good friends. I- I'm glad. Like I- I've texted you a few times. Uh, yeah. Small responses. And so that's why I was just questioning the good part because I was like, maybe she just dropped me as a friend, you know, or put me in that second tier of friends because I have texted and it takes you like two days to respond. Sometimes one time, I'm going to call you out on this one, but one time you're like, Hey, I'm in Toronto. I'll text you next weekend or something like that. I was like, what? I was like, on your phone all the time. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Right.
0: You know what? I can't deny it. I'm usually, I'm a good texter lately. You're right. I'm horrible. In fact, you know, our good friend, Erin, I just messaged her because she texted me three days ago and it took me that long to get back to her. And I think I'm blaming it on COVID. I'm blaming it on not being able to see people in person. And I'm so sick of my phone. I'm sick of texting. I'm sick of emails. It's just harder for me to get back to people now. Is that a good excuse? I
1: I don't know. No, it's listen. It it sort of is. I get it. It sort of is. However, like my brother used to do this all the time, (laughs) where I text. Like that's my brother, right? And I text him, and it's unread. I'm like, that's not possible. He's on his phone all day, so he is choosing not to read my message because obviously, will come up, you know, like uh, with the notification. I have a couple other friends who do that to me now, and I got no interest in responding back then. But for you. I will keep trying. I will keep pushing you to get back to normal texting uh, etiquette.
0: Please do not give up on me. Please do not take it personally. I know I've been horrible. Like like I
1: am. Only slightly.
0: Yeah. I just, I, like I said, I used to pride myself on responding quickly and now it's just, it's just hard, but I will get better. I will improve. (laughs) You better than
1: Hedger though. Hedger's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I think either she changed her phone number or she literally does not want to message me back.
0: No, she loves you, but yeah, she can be a okay. little slow, but you know what? When, when hedge responds, she does. So yeah. with quality, I find like yes. her responses are thorough and you know, you know, we know what she's like, so it is worth oh, waiting. I love hedge. For her yeah. yeah. Okay. You know what? I feel I'm, I'm worried about this podcast. Cause I feel like you and I could just sit here and like shoot the shit for hours. And we're going to get away from you like should. questions, and answers, but no, we have to kind of stay on track a little bit because I want people to know about your story. And as I was like coming up qu-
1: with questions I for you. Here's about my story. Do you remember <laughs> when we did the Instagram live, the baking we did and how many people wanted to know stuff about, um, you know, TSN? So I think. Yeah. Stories together makes a better podcast.
0: I agree. Yes. Well, I mean, we'll we'll keep it casual for sure, but I have a few questions that I want to make sure that I I ask.
1: Fine. fine.
0: I mean, this is how we work. I try to keep us on track as much as possible and you take us off track, but it always works in the end.
1: Yeah. Right. This was kind of like when we were on air together. That's what I mean. (laughs) End of the show. And I was always trying to say something that would make you either laugh or be like, this guy's a weirdo. Or get some kind of reaction. People can't see your face right now, but kind of the reaction we are getting right now. Yeah.
0: But we (laughs) never had a lot of time to to go haywire, really, right? It's very scripted. 10 seconds, five seconds. That was it. Show is over. But now, okay. Now this will, this is my segue into what you're doing now because I don't totally know what you're doing now, but I think you have a lot more flexibility in your position from what you told me. So tell, tell the people exactly what you're up to these days because you left TSN for ESPN, but you're not there anymore.
1: Not at ESPN anymore. I was there for almost three years. Uh, I was doing sports center there, which is honestly like such a huge thrill. The first time I walked into that studio, um, it is so impressive (laughs) the things they can do with that place. Um, And and just, I mean, just that campus, this is pre-pandemic, right? Where I think they had like 4,000 people on campus. It really is like a little mini university. Um, And so it it was just so eye-opening, resources, everything. It was was the best thing that ever happened to me, A, professionally just because getting that opportunity, you know, taking it, we had conversations about this. Like you never know, like I could go over there. You don't see too many Canadians go and, and you go and what if it doesn't go well? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then you've got to come back and there's, my spot's gone, you know? Right. Um, and so I, I think that was the best thing that could happen to me to go down there. Cause I really had to, you know, I changed my approach in, in some of the things I did as far as like preparation, um, because we're going in there like again at, at TSN, we don't do a ton of college sports. I don't, I don't know can't, speak about it now but not the way obviously it's done at ESPN so I had to up my knowledge on certain things um my prep definitely prep for the show was very different uh even leading into the show but I think over that you know almost three years I became such a better broadcaster for it Uh, just love my time there but you know this new opportunity at Turner uh is like a dream it really is you know me I love basketball Uh, I love hockey. It's kind of my one, a one B and that's their, you know, their two biggest properties. They got baseball too, but I would say, well, one of their two biggest properties. And so when they got the NHL and when this opportunity came for me to do both sports that I love, I was like, I got to take it, you know, And, and the way Turner does TV, they're so creative, you know, you can have fun, you have leeway. It's so different than everybody else. Um, just to, to, again, be part of that team, part of that family, um, was just like a no brainer for me.
0: So when you were trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, did you yeah. see yourself going to the States and hitting the big time there? Or how did you envision your career? What were your goals?
1: You're talking like when I was in school kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Even before you decided to go into broadcasting, like how did, how did the dream start from the bill?
1: You know, you know Don Taylor. Yes, Don Taylor.
0: I, I know who he is. Yeah, I've never met Don, but yeah,
1: right. But you know of his work being out West for sure. So Don, Don Taylor was a guy on Sports Page, and anyone out in Vancouver know the show Sports Page. A lot of people, Jennifer uh, Hedge's husband was on it, right? Sean was on it for a little bit towards the end, I think. Um, but he was the guy. He was like the legend out there. And when he was doing highlights, it, dude, he was having so much fun, uh, and he was just so natural. And I was just like, oh. I want, you want, you want to be like that guy and then at, at, when i was in school like i'm talking high school i started doing more things where you know you're kind of out front facing i wrote for like the school paper nobody reads papers anymore so that didn't really matter but like <laughs> just kind of little things um and and then when it came time farhan, farhan's another guy farhan lalji you know a former uh, co-worker and yes. uh he, he's a guy who I actually got to come to my grade 10 business class. I remind him about this all the time. He hates it when I call him OG. And I mean, maybe the OG anyways, cause it makes him feel really old, but he is old. And that's, I always remind him of that too, he is old. He came to my grade 10 business class. This was his first year, I think at TSN. And he came into this like presentation and it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, wow, I want to be like that guy. Um, but then when it came to actually making a decision, um, I'm not gonna lie to you, like the landscape was so different. We're talking like late 90s, there weren't a lot of people that looked like me on TV. Foreign was <laughs> like one of very few. And in our community, you know, we are good at certain things, you know, business, law, uh, medicine, trades, a whole bunch of different things. Broadcast journalism is not one of them. Now that has changed. You're seeing a lot more minorities, a lot more people look at me on TV now. It's completely changed. But we're talking like over 20 years ago you know, 20, 25 years. That that wasn't the case. And so I kind of just gave up on it. My sister was going to law school. Um, and so I just followed her in footsteps and did criminology for the first two years at Simon Fraser University. I liked it, didn't love it. And it was kind of like, I had this like real conversation with myself. And I was like, oh, I really want to do this sports broadcasting thing. So I went to BCIT on the side while I was at SFU. I did it, like one sports broadcasting course. And you will know name, Perry Salkowski was uh, one of the instructors and Shane Foxman. I'm not sure if you know Shane, but Shane was at CBC at that time. Okay. I definitely know Perry. Yes. And you will know Shane if you Google him for sure. hundred percent. Okay. Um, and so they're my instructors. I'm like, this class doesn't go well. I'm not doing this. I'm just going to keep moving on. And and it went really well. And um, that kind of drove me to like now talk to different people in the industry, and get their take on how, you know, got they got to where they were. I was like that nerd who would go on like the bio page, you know, and, like everyone had a website back in the day. There's like a bio page of each person. I've seen your bio page before, by the way, before we met each other. Um, and so every, just like bio I was just okay, how did they get there? Like can you kind of get a kind of get a sense. And so anyways, came up with like a 5-year plan for myself, talked to my parents about it, and like they were shocked. They had no idea that I wanted to do any of this. And I think they did see that I had a passion for it though, because they had a lot of questions. I had answers for them because I had done the research. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, my five year plan was to be in a big market in Canada. I never thought about the States. Like, because for, for us, we didn't get ESPN in, in Canada, right? Nice. Like, people here in the state don't understand that. Like, we didn't get ESPNs. We didn't grow up with like SVP and Chris Berman and, and all like, you know, Stuart Scott and all these people we grew up with our TSN people like so, working with Dutch and like Jen and Duffy and he's got, that was our, like our legendary, you know, our legends were right? Rod Smith. Um, and so it was always to, to get to uh, like a national network or a big markets like Vancouver, Toronto. I put Calgary in there. No offense, Natasha. It's not a big market. You know, that. it's a mid-century. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, and, and that was it. And so um I, I did that kind of went there, went to school to BCIT, I finished my degree. This is, this is going to sound so lame, but I wrote my five-year plan on a piece of paper that I kept in my wallet. Right. Cause again, nobody writes, nobody writes shit down anymore. Right. Like, and so I put no. it in my wallet, and I left it in my wallet. Cause when I was working in Prince George, when I was working in Winnipeg, there were days that really sucked. And there were days where like, what am I doing? doing here? Why did I choose to do that? You know, there's like, you start a small market, you're making no money, mm-hmm. you're living like a college student, you know, I almost took those first two years as like intern years, um, just to yeah. residency or whatever you want to call it, right? At, at like the lowest level. But uh, I would always look at that piece of paper to kind of refocus me to be like, okay, this is why I want to do it. But that's kind of how it came about the, the, the stuff for like the states. That only came about in my last like four years at TSN uh, because I knew I could do more. I just wasn't getting the opportunities and, and I knew I could do more. Uh, but when I hit CBC, like that was the moment, I still remember the phone call I got. I was in Winnipeg at work at the Fox Report Global and I got this phone call saying, hey, we wanna offer you this job for Hockey Night Can Online and CBC News Network. And I was almost in tears because at that moment, all of that hard work all the sacrifices, all the people laughing, kind of snickering at me for choosing this industry. Um, it, I almost felt validated. So, right. Yeah.
0: Because I was going to ask you, when do you feel or when did you feel like you had arrived, so to speak? But it sounds like you arrived a few times over the course of your career. But it's funny, the, the little moments that stick out in your mind, like you just said, the CBC, I never would have thought you would have picked that one.
1: Yeah, the CBC one was huge because... Again, to that point, and I think you worked in some small markets too, right? Like, you know what it feels like to be in those places. And it's great to start there, make your mistakes, and move on. But when you get to a place like Toronto, it, it's a big deal now. And CBC, growing up, we all know Hockey Night Canada. They had just started this, like, Hockey Night in Canada online show. They're kind of ahead of their time in that sense. Um, but uh, just to get that call and... Again, I was waiting like four months on that job. I went down to audition and then they went through another scaling process and interview process. It was a whole thing. Um, And so to get that phone call, I'll never forget that. I called my mom, I I still remember the whole whole deal. And then um, the TSN one was a very cool feeling too, but I think it was different. And then I would say when I went to ESPN, that was another one. Like after I finished my first show, which was a morning show. So you're up at like, it was like 3.30 kind of thing. You can drive like there at 3.30. You got to write. And then we're on at 6, I think it was. And uh, 6 or 7. Can't remember. Anyways, got through the show. It's a three-hour show. I was working with this um, co-anchor, Nicole Briscoe, Nicole Brisco, who's phenomenal. It was so great to me. Uh, but when the show was done, it went really well. There was another one of those moments where you kind of like all the energy kind of rushed through. and Like, oh, my God. Just did it. Like, I did yeah. it. Like, came here. It was just one show, but at the same time I was like, this is a huge accomplishment, you know? And so I, I think it's only when we talk about these sorts of things, you can kind of um, look back at your own career and be like, oh, hey, this was kind of cool. I don't really u- usually do that, but uh, I could definitely say that in particular was a moment where I was like, oh my God, like this is this is ESPN, this is, this is really cool. And I, I just did SportsCenter. Yeah, man, that's big time.
0: So what did you learn or what advice would you even give to people about limitations that we give ourselves or the stories that we tell ourselves, about how far that we can get right. You think, Oh, I only want to go here. The next thing you know, you're working for a network in the U S like any advice or, or more just your personal experience with that and learning about yourself.
1: You know, I wish, I don't know if you would agree, but like, I wish like for yourself, I mean, like, I wish I had a bigger ego. (laughs) I, I think sometimes I lack confidence in myself. Um, and I would, I would, I just wonder where my career would be if I had a bigger, if I was a little more confident in myself and maybe saw some of the things maybe other people see. Um, it wouldn't be genuine to me. I'm just wishing, you know, right. you kind of a little more confident in yourself. But um, I, I think you, sh- you just don't put limitations on it. Like you said, like you put these limitations on yourself and through all like the negative self-talk, especially in our industry, again, because we make a mistake and it's in front of everybody. Jay Onright once told me, I think this was like, halfway through my time at TSN, because you always want every show to be perfect, right? And I was doing all these different things all over the place and kind of had to be versatile. And I, don't know, I struggled on one show or whatever, and I was, I was telling him about it. And he, he just told me, just do. you just gotta let that go. You know, you gotta let that go. And you do X amount of hours of live TV, you know, a year uh, over your career, like these things are gonna happen. And they made a career off of like playing off of that stuff, but like- yes. Um, but yeah, no, it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, that kind of just like, it finally clicked in my mind. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do things the way, you know, I really kind of want to do them, kind of have a little more personality and inject that. But I, I just think, like, again, getting back to the limitations, like, once I started to get more confident when I was at TSN and just decided I'm going to kind of be myself, I think I got some bad advice from some of the people there, I won't name names, but. <laughs> um, telling me what I should be, which I wasn't. Right. Uh, so was just like, you know, I'm going to do this my way. And if I got to go and it's not going to work out, I'll be okay with it. Um, I think, you know, my career started to, to kind of go up. And then I, I just believe, I honestly, believe you can speak things into existence. You know, if you, if you really put it out in the world that, hey, I want to do this, you know, I want to do that. Obviously, you've got to work for it, you know. I would say, again, people were like, oh man, you keep rising. No, I had like a lot of pitfalls too. I had a lot of bad times at TSN. I had some great times at TSN, a lot of learning moments, but it, it's all like part of that journey. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. Like I talked to a lot of these students who message me and, and so many of them want to be successful right away, which is great. But like, you got to embrace that journey. You know this, like you got to embrace the journey. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, uh, sweeter when you can kind of make it to the top and then kind of look back but there's a lot of like instant gratification right now especially with social media everyone posting their best and whatever right but right i just think like again if you can speak something into existence go out work hard i mean sky's the limit things can happen Mm -hmm. it's great advice
0: do you so you mentioned the cbc call that stood out to you in a positive way were there any really low points that stand out where you were just like almost ready to pull the plug and that was it
1: Uh, Prince George and Winnipeg combined, maybe <laughs> you know, it's like I wasn't very good. I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't very good. Um, I was terrible at radio, uh, in uh, Prince George, and it was just like news updates. I just was so bad, I don't know what it was. I did weekend, weren't um, you
0: just like reading off a script doing radio?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think I can do well now. Uh, but I sucked, and these guys knew I sucked, and so when I got my next job, they were shocked that I got their job. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and so um that and then like when I went to Winnipeg, I thought I was gonna be in like an on air position all the time, or was actually is actually came to be like a highlight editor and I would be on air once in a while. And you need reps. I needed reps. I'm not a natural, I'm not really that good. I need reps. And I wasn't getting them. And when I did get them, I was too nervous. You know, and then you make one mistake yeah. and everything's like and I was talking about like the Mexican Greek soccer leagues. Mm-hmm. I don't know the stuff I was talking about. So, um, you know, I, I put in the work. I did the best I could at that time. But again, there were a lot of moments where I felt like trash. <laughs> you know, you go home. You go... Luckily I had, you know, good friends and, and that I had made down there and they, they were a good support system to kind of take my mind away from things. But it would every, the first two jobs I had, like two two three months in, I was always thinking about the next one. So I was always updating my demos. I'd go late at night when nobody was there. And I at that time you'd use like the tape deck system. Oh yeah.
0: Yep.
1: Go do that at night. I go in when no one's there, go update my demos, sending them out, trying to network. And that's literally networking is how I got every single job uh, besides, besides the first one in Prince George. Mm-hmm. But um, that's, it was kind of the mindset. Like I, I went through a lot of struggle. And there was times at TSN too where it was like, it was difficult. Like, you know, we went through that stuff with me and Gurdip went through that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, my first couple of years there um, where it's like, Oh my God, like, I have to go through all this racist shit all the time. You know, um, I just wanted to be, you know, you, you kind of reached your dream and like, now I got to deal with this all the time, uh, on social media and Twitter. And again, we're talking like years ago? eight years ago, something like that. And right. so our, our, our mindset around social media was so different. Now we know what it is and trolls and this and that, but at that time it, you were taking it more literal, you know? So, um, yeah, it's been ups and downs, but, Again, it's all part of that journey. And I look back now, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it. I'm better for it, for sure. I'm not happy for it. I'm better for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that you know, going through those struggles sometimes can make you a better person, I think, all around, really.
0: Do you feel like things have improved in the industry when it comes to minorities, racism, that kind of thing?
1: Well, I definitely think it's more representation. Yeah, I okay. 100% more, rep- I mean, I don't have numbers with me, but I'm just going by like the eye test of when mm-hmm. I started. Um, and even when I was growing up watching and looking And I, I should speak on the United States as much because I don't know that market as much. I'm just kind of learning it right now. But uh, for Canada, for sure, you know, I can look at my own community and I, and I see how many people we have who represent us now um, and how many minorities in general you're seeing. Is there work to be done? Absolutely. Uh, But I do think by just the eye test alone, yeah, we definitely have uh, more people in prominent positions, but still a long way to go, right? When you talk about minorities and women, you know, being put in great positions to succeed um, and and being given positions of, like, power, right? Um, Behind the scenes, not even even just in front-facing positions, but behind the scenes, uh, whether it's, you know, as producers or decision makers, you know, in the front office type thing. Right.
0: So speaking of Canada, what do you miss about Canada?
1: I miss people. I miss the people. I mean, I family, friends. You know, we never, you know, it's f- so funny. We never, we never got a proper goodbye meeting you because we were supposed to have this party or whatever. And you were planning it. You, you asked me so many times. But the one thing I was super uncomfortable about was that there was a bunch of layoffs right before I got that job. And I didn't feel at that time, you know, it didn't feel appropriate to me um, to do that, even, even though maybe some of those people might have not been people coming to our party, but I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me. And a lot of things were going on and I figured, Hey, I'll be back in Toronto anyways. <laughs>
0: right? Um,
1: and then that first year I didn't come back as much as I thought I would, cause I was so busy with work. And then yeah. this pandemic, I'm like, I'm in that, <laughs> you can't come back anyway. So, um, I do miss the people. I miss my family. I love Toronto. Like, you know, this, I love Toronto as a city. And so, um, I got back during Christmas for like four days. So I got to see my sister, which was great, and my and my nephew and my family, which is awesome, but with all the restrictions, really nobody else. Um, but I, I think that's the biggest thing. I, I miss downtown and some of the, you know, the the cultural scene and mm-hmm. and the food is so great. And it, everything's just so different right now, right? So I guess I don't miss it as much as maybe I did in the first year. But at yeah. but the same time too, I always trigger myself that way. So when I moved to Connecticut, I was like, okay, it's a new adventure. I, I've done this now five times. Right. So every time you do it, you, you can't compare Prince George to Vancouver. I can't compare Winnipeg to Prince George. Actually, I could, but uh, <laughs> Toronto, you know, you just can't, you just got to move on mentally. You have to move on. Otherwise, you're going to be yeah. kind of living in the past. You'll be, you know, disappointed with what's in front of you. And so now, now being in Atlanta, Atlanta actually reminds me a lot of Toronto. Uh, the traffic is very similar. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, culturally it's way more diverse so it's a lot like toronto and so it reminds me a lot of toronto which has kind of been nice but i'm hoping to get back to canada a little more often nice
0: it's funny when you say that
1: about moving because
0: i feel like i developed the same skill like i moved i forget seven or eight times in three five years or whatever it was and then even now moving to calgary it's you know, everyone's like, Oh my God, all this moving, how do you do it? And I don't even think about it now. Cause you just kind of figure out how to do it, which you've obviously done, but I feel like for you with your later moves, your family came along, right. Which is the whole other, what has that, what's that? Sac- has it even been a sacrifice or what's that been like with two kids and, and your poor wife?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I better say something nice in case you listen to the podcast. <laughs> She's she's been amazing. W- without her support and you know flexibility and all of this, I yeah. could not do this. Um, the first time we moved, she we had Adam who was four at the time, and she just gave birth. So I was actually living in Connecticut, and then I'd come back and visit and so forth. So this time around, we got the two kids. We got Adam and Hannah. And Adam had roots in Connecticut. He had made a bunch of friends. Connecticut was great as far as the family community. We live in this place called Avon. It was amazing. It was a small town, but it was amazing, amazing people. Very family centric. It was awesome. And so he was really, really upset when I told <laughs> him. I it. Like really upset. Um, like I, you know, like his, like his dog had died kind of thing. And a yeah. um, really funny story. So we, we had, um, we came up with this like whole Atlanta booklet for him and all these fun, cause we were going to go visit Atlanta next, uh, the week after just to go for down for a week as a family. To do some fun things with the kids, to get them excited about it, or okay. get more him, you know. Hannah, Hannah's like a squatter; she just moves from place to place. To place, to place. But, but you know, we had like the aquarium, this out. I got tickets for the Hawks game, um, and so it was gonna be great. And so I thought he'd be super excited about it. And he just stormed in his room, shut the door. I don't want to move. I, like, I felt like the worst person. That's not the funny part. The funny part was I was telling my wife, okay, um, you know, I'm gonna. Maybe, maybe I can, like, buy his love or something. <laughs> 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 that's not a good idea. <laughs> and so I just give him a an like, Atlanta gift. She's, no, that's not a good idea. And she's right. It wasn't a good idea. So finally, we talked to him. We talked to him. I'm just feeling like trash. He's coming around. He's like, okay, Dad, what's Atlanta like? You've been there. And so we start talking. And then and he finally comes around to it. He's like, okay, Dad, I, we'll go see it. And then I was like, okay. And I'm walking out of the room. I'm like, you know what, Adam? I'm going to buy you a Nintendo Switch. No. <laughs> He didn't even. He didn't even ask. He didn't know. But I was walking there. I still felt so guilty. And he, again, he had come around. We had made. We had made the turn. We're going this way, and I went right back. And I'm like, I'm gonna buy a Nintendo Switch. Wow. And he never forgot about it. And I had to buy a Nintendo <laughs> Switch when we came here. So um, it was a shitty parenting move, but well, um, it, it helped us on the drive there, which was great. Uh, yeah. But at the end, of the day, um, I probably should have uh, probably should have held it a little longer than that.
0: Well, you're just lucky he's not a, he's not a teenager yet because I can't imagine what he would have spindled out of you if, you know, he was 14 or 15.
1: Yeah. And and then he would have had, you know, stronger roots, right? Yes. Um, Yeah. Everyone will tell you this is that he's not going to remember this 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And he won't. Uh, I don't remember like anything from when I was sick. I don't know about you, but I don't really remember much. And so I don't think he'll remember it, but Like when you're in the moment, we're literally living in the moment right now. I can't think about ten years from now. He's not going to remember this. Like, I want him to be happy right now, right now. We're living together, and and so it's been difficult in that sense. You know, for my wife too. She's finally got used to Connecticut. She loved it there, Uh, and she loved the fact that it was such like a small town. Like, there's a lot of charm to to Connecticut in that way, Uh, and everything was so close. They've been really flexible. So without again, without their support, and like you know the. The blessing and buying it buying everyone off in the family. Um <laughs> bought my daughter's dollhouse, you know, because now I didn't I didn't get her anything and then everyone's made me feel bad and God knows what my wife is gonna buy for herself. So um. so you're just erasing the trauma with gifts and
0: bribes, essentially. Nice. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> whatever works okay i have a couple more for you here before i let you go on your merry way what's the favorite your favorite event that you've covered so far and what is still on your uh i guess journalism bucket list
1: favorite events like that i've been to in person yeah.
0: or or just on set
1: Okay. Uh, favorite event I've been in person would be the Euros that I went to in 2012. That was in like Poland and Ukraine. And we had like 24 flights in 30 days. It was ridiculous. It was so silly. Um, but being there and, you know, being at the final and all the games that I got to go, it was such a cool experience. Like I tell people all the time, even I was at the world cup too in Brazil. We didn't have as much access there, but like a soccer, we've talked about this, like a soccer event, even if you're not a fan. And, and now Canadians are going to realize it with Canada being so good and maybe and yeah. stuff and caring about it. But um, soccer, international soccer events are unbelievable. So that was probably the coolest thing. I think being part of the Olympic coverage in TSNL, like the secondary Olympic coverage is really cool. Um, and then I'd probably say, like, just again, being on like the ESPN Sports Center, like, that's so iconic, that show. I mean, our sports yeah. center is iconic too. Uh, in Canada, uh, but being on like the original one with the set, and then kind of seeing the history around it because they really do a good job of detailing the history of Sports Center around the building uh, and, and the network. I think that was that was pretty neat too.
0: Which athlete has turned you into a fanboy when you met him or her? Cause we really meet them every once in a while. Right. And we think we're going to be cool and we talk with them every night, but there's always a few like in the back of our heads, like it would be really cool to meet that person. Or obviously you were a fan growing up of sports and athletes. Yeah. So is there someone that kind of stands out that you're like, Oh my
1: God. I would say like recently I met Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I had a couple conversations with Charles Bark, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Retsky, uh Wayne and me were sitting on a couch chatting for like fifteen minutes about you know the Oilers, about where he's living, and if I'm moving. It was it was really neat. Like, it's such a cool family environment at uh, Turner that everyone's just around everybody. And I'm not talking just on air people, like people on the scenes, makeup bars Everyone's just kind of hanging out and, and just kind of shooting the shit. It, it, it's such a cool environment, but. I I think I've been cool. I didn't have that moment where I was kind of like staring in his eyes and kind of like geeking out because I kind of was in the inside. I was like, just don't ask for a photo. But, um, I think I was kind of more mentally prepared for that one. Whereas I would say back in 2014, before I went to the world cup, yes. this is the one that kind of got me, uh, in Miami to cover the USA, uh, the U S team. Um, and then I got a call from the desk saying, Hey, do you mind going down to interview David Beckham for some X, Y, and Z for sky sports, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, sure. We go down. And I'm thinking it's going to be, you know, 30, 40, 50 people. Like there always would be around David Beckham. It was me, Ryan Barty, our camera guy, <laughs> two other people, two or three other people, but they're both writers. I don't think there's another camera there. There's another camera, just one, but nobody's asking questions beside me. I'm literally standing at, looking at him and like, Natasha, this man is so goddamn handsome. It's just like, he's got this, you know, there's some people have an aura around them. Yes. He, uh, around him and definitely could notice that when I met him here. Back he looks at you, he's so nice. Huh, David, you know, like that whole thing. And he's just got the eyes <laughs> and and he just gets you. He's so charming. And like Ryan, who was very skeptical uh, uh, skeptical about getting into it, you know, thought he was, you know, this prissy guy who's got his money and attitude. I'm like, I don't think he's like that. He shook everybody's hand. Hi, I'm David. You know, that whole thing. And then Ryan loved him. Fell in love with David right. for that. Wow. But those ones where you're kind of talking, I don't even know what I was asking him because I was just reading off the paper that they wanted me to read. Yeah. But that's one where I was like, holy shit, like, is David Becker. I,
0: I don't know why I haven't heard this story. Maybe, I mean, I was around when it happened. <laughs>
1: I must have told you. Yeah, I must have told you.
0: I guess I forgot.
1: Interesting. Listen, this, is, I, I this is the whole thing. You know, like you're not responding to my text messages, <sighs> like, not listening to my stories. And yeah. And yet,
0: here you are on the podcast. So you really can't complain that much, Nabil.
1: I thought you're paying me to be on this podcast.
0: Oh yeah, the checks in the mail, but I don't have your new address yet. So I'm I'm just waiting for that. Yeah.
1: Okay, when Canada, when Canada gets Venmo, you can Venmo me then. Right?
0: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I was going to ask you, think talking about David Beckham made me think about Henrik Lundqvist. Cause I was thinking about you and your like on the air and your fashion game, because you are one of the best people as you're nodding really humbly right now, which I love. Your fashion game was all, always like right up there at TSN. Um, do you have any fashion icons?
1: Oh, Beckham was definitely one of them. Um, yeah just suits like suits. I love yeah. I love the way obviously i could not pull off anything he wore and I don't look the same as him, but like uh suit-wise, he's always got this like classic sort of um, really tailored type suit, you know, very fitted type suit. Um and so I always love looking stuff at stuff that he was wearing. You mentioned Lundquist. Lundquist is oh my god, he is like the NHL's version of Beckham, and he is a TNT guy too now. Um, and so if I get a chance to work with him, that's a day I'm going to have to really like wear one of my best suits because I don't want to come looking like a this side of that guy.
0: No, I mean, I was watching his retirement thing the other day or a few weeks ago in New York when he showed up in in that suit. And my friend was joking that suit looks like it's $50,000. Like he just looks crisp and like perfect every single time. So yeah, good luck with that. If you and he have to work together.
1: Yes. And, and notice that look on him too. He's got the very classic, oh, yeah. very classic, uh, you know, European cut suit. And so again, you're right. I'm going to look like trash compared to that <laughs> guy, but <laughs> fine. It's fine. Because I mean, how many people look good beside him? You know, him and David Beckham do a podcast or something together. That's it. It's over. It's the most handsome podcast of life.
0: Yeah. I think you'll be able to hold your own. You'll be, you'll be okay. If that day comes around. Um, my last question for you is do you have anything written down on a piece of paper right now for the next five years or where your head, where's your head?
1: You know, I don't, um, I actually should do that. I really should. Like I, I like to uh, reassess goals and stuff like that. Just kind of internally. I haven't really done it since I was here. I want to, I'll be honest. I want to be here for a long time. Uh, I, I want to grow within Turner and they've already given me so many opportunities and, and so many things kind of come at, um, I'm really, really excited about being here like and, and it's not one of those things where you have to say it they could care less if I say it or not um but I'm so happy I'll, my work-life balance um you know going in I'm excited <laughs> and I'm excited to go to work every day my commute's an hour but I'm still excited really? oh dear <laughs> on the way there it's an hour in traffic yeah but um but I'm excited to go it's just it's just one of those things where and it's, everything's new, and everything's shiny. Obviously, people would say that, you know, but it's so genuine. And I was explaining to you early about the family environment. Like, it, it reminds me a little bit of what we had with, you know, some of us at TSN, which I loved. I, I really love that. And I, I miss that. And so um, having that here at, uh, at Turner has just been so great. And the creativity and all the stuff they allow you to do. They're like, hey, go try this. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. We'll move on. We'll laugh about it and move on never had that before. Um, and so I I think it's just kind of refocused me and and I just think about the possibilities in the future, honestly. And so hopefully it's, it's here in Atlanta for a long time with these guys and, and kind of moving up the ladder and just seeing what opportunities come about. It's
0: super inspiring. You're my friend and I'm not just saying that I feel like I'm so proud of you because you had a few little roadblocks along the way and you didn't, let us stalk you and you just kept going and going and going and it's unreal where you are right now so you should be super proud
1: you you were you were kind of like my therapist for a while
0: <laughs> a little bit we worked together for a while for like i forget what stretches they were but we were up there for a while you're right together
1: we did i i think a bunch of one o'clocks together yes <laughs> shout out to the 2am rule uh which is yeah. ridiculous don't miss that <laughs> don't miss that uh, um, but yeah the, the 1 a.m's and and i think we did some 11s probably not enough shows that we should have done together but mm-hmm. uh, yeah i do miss that i honestly I miss the people uh at tsn and and get the, the crazy thing about us too there was and some people may know other people wouldn't know is that like how but we'd hang out a lot and i think that was great for like camaraderie and chemistry on air and and for things like this where you know when i had to to bitch and complain about something. I know I could, I could trust you and come to you and you kind of know, you know, what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's cliche, but it's usually the people that make work the best, right. That's usually like the best part of it. And yeah, that is obviously also what I miss um, from TSN. So you have to come back soon. That's li- that's the solution. I feel like I think the masks are coming off soon. The regulations, the flying is slowly getting back to normal, so there will be no excuses. I'm hoping, like within a
1: year, for you to come back and visit. We'll get this. I have three weddings in a row, oh. three weekends in July, and one of the weddings is in, uh, well, one's in Edmonton, oh. one's in Calgary, oh, and in- in Vancouver. You like buried so- the leads. Yeah. So I will. Be there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I, hopefully
0: I'll be around. I can babysit the kids if you want.
1: <laughs> yeah. We might need to baby um, right. Um, but no, it will definitely, I'll, I'll let you know when I come down and, and we can hang out and, and catch up.
0: Amazing. All right, my friend, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. It was good to see your face. Um, Good luck with, I mean, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. Hopefully you'll get some good action doing that. And I I can't really watch you on TV here. I have very crappy cable, but maybe I can find you
1: online. Yeah, with with Turner, like, I think it's only if TSN or Sportsnet, like airs their actual broadcast, right? That's the only way you could see us, but. Well. Yeah, I I don't know. You could do it illegally. I wouldn't recommend, I'm not recommending that to anybody. Okay. We'll talk about that off record. All
0: right. Um, thank you for doing this. We'll talk to you soon. You're listening to the, Oh, come on sports podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky.